there was a difference actually in tenderness between, I want to point out tenderness between the pigs that received the diet early and the diet late, but not the control was not different between either two. Welcome to MeatsPad. In collaboration with the American Meat Science Association, it's a platform dedicated to share breakthrough knowledge that is accessible to the global meat industry. On each episode, you'll have the opportunity to listen and learn from meat specialists and professionals about the whole meat industry. This podcast is brought to you by the U.S. Meat Export Federation, U.S. Pork, Ultrasource, equipment and supplies for the meat and food industry, ViscoFan Collagen Casings, the best alternative to animal gut casings for a better taste and sustainable sausage making, EFA, Slaughter and Meat Processing Tools, Hello, meat folks. Welcome back to the Meats Pad Podcast. It is your hap, hap, happiest host, Phil Bass, and we have with us Jay Stowater. Jay, did I say your last name correct? Yes. Okay. Jay is a uh, dynamic individual doing some research currently at Iowa State University, um, and I'll have you talk a little bit about that. You also have your own cattle company, and so maybe we can sell some cattle for you here. Hopefully you can. Okay. Um, but your research is currently in pigs, is that right? Yes, it is. Tell us a little bit about that. So my project for that, my research focused on uh, examined feeding anhydrous calcium chloride at a dietary 3% inclusion rate in both the early and late finishing stage of production. Uh, Also had a controlled diet in there. Uh, This is for allowing pigs to stay on feed during times of supply chain disruption, uh, also during possibly Foreign animal disease outbreaks, allowing pigs to stay on feed, buying some time, uh, slowing down their growth, and preventing depopulation events and heavy economic losses to the industry. So we had some precedents set recently during the COVID times, um, and oftentimes uh, adversity breeds innovation. And so is this is this a result of some of that? Yes. Yeah, so this is some follow-up research that was started during uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Dr. Nick Gabler, one of his students and some other researchers, looked at various strategies to hold pigs on their growth to slow down growth and one of the strategies they developed and looked at was feeding uh, anhydrous calcium chlorides the first trial they looked at had a two percent and a four percent and that was just some examining some strategies and they had a three percent and looked at qual how it affected pork quality so it was a very it was an effective means of slowing growth. So first off, maybe can you tell us a little bit about what anhydrous calcium chloride is and how that slows their growth, and then maybe we'll get into some of the results. Yeah. So uh, anhydrous calcium chloride is an acetogenic salt, and it has um, it impacts in the diet, uh, slowing down growth as far as decreased appetite. And uh, the pigs weren't as efficient on this diet. And they also, because uh, this was an ad libitum diet, they weren't restricted at all on how much they were fed. They could have as much as they want. They just did not eat. as Their intake was lower and their efficiency was lower. Um, there's been some research that's looked at possibly um, some metabolic acidosis and how that's impacted uh you know, the efficiency of 
converting fee. Okay. Well, and let's give, I, I want to give the, uh, the listeners a little bit of a background and if you're, if you're less familiar, um, so, uh, it, it, it's, it's not it, it, it's it's obvious to our listeners out there who are meat processors. There was a backlog of animals during the COVID nineteen pandemic when we were trying to figure out how to get these plants back online, and uh, uh, the reality is we have we have livestock that are ready to go just about every day, and um, and and it's hard to just say pause. It's hard to put them in a holding pattern, and so seems as if this particular uh ingredient in the ration was an idea of putting them in that holding pattern so they weren't necessarily getting much more fatter they were just kind of maintaining their weights is that right well uh in terms of gaining weight uh the pigs we looked at had a slower growth pat rate now the pigs that were originally looked at during the COVID-19 pandemic, they almost had their growth just completely stopped in their tracks wow. during the late finishing stage. Um, but it does buy some time as far as more time on allowing them on stay on feed. You know, if we have a supply chain backlog now, uh, it, if you have pigs that are following up behind them, it does not you know, deal with that issue. Doesn't that. fix everything. Doesn't right? fix no, everything. This is a bandaid. <laughs> this, well, it's part of the, it's part of the solution. We, you know, we have to figure out some other ways to, uh, in the industry to be more adaptable to this, this, right. these kind of situations. Right. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what you found. What were some of the results in the study? So we found that feeding at the early and late finishing stages is effective at slowing down growth. Now in this case, we did not see the dramatic um, impacts to uh, port quality that the earlier study had seen in the late finishing stage. You know, we did not see a difference in, for example, pH, or we did not see any, a difference in color. And these pigs, now I will say this, these pigs were not um, uh, a terminal line of pigs. These were of a more maternal line pigs, so not... Uh, heavily, not heavily selected for in terms of a lot of carcass traits. So, um, and these pigs were also fed in smaller pens than the other group. Uh, but it, again, growth was slowed down. They, the pigs at both instances, the early and late finishing, finished at lower uh, finishing weights of the trial. And there was a difference actually in tenderness between I want to point out tenderness between the pigs that received the diet early and the diet late, but not the control was not different between either two. So the pigs that had the diet earlier um, were more tender than the pigs that had the diet later. And I think there's still some, I won't get it, dive into completely into that. I just wanted to share that as far as the results. The mission of USMEF is to increase the value and profitability of the U.S. beef, pork, and lamb industries by enhancing demand for their products and export markets through a dynamic partnership of all stakeholders. Simply put, USMEF is putting U.S. meat on the world's table. Well, I think we need to dive just a little bit if you're, if you're okay with that. What do you think was going on there? You know, I think there is possibly some mechanisms that need to be looked into as far as, you know, the Lonergan lab 
uh, does a lot of proteomic work. We did not do any proteomic work in this case, but I think there is some future work to be done in that arena. So. Well, we know that calcium, it does influence tenderness uh, later on post-mortem, and so that's that's uh, that'd be interesting to look a little further into. Um, uh, did you look at marbling at all? Yeah, we looked at marbling, That's and there was no difference in marbling. We also did... Uh, lipid analysis as far as we use the CEM, uh, homogenized pork loins and, uh, you know, pork loin chops and did, uh, um, NIR using the CI CEM. And, uh, we found that there was not a difference in marbling in this, this particular line of pig. And, and I know that the listeners out there are, for those in the pork world are probably wondering how the bellies turn out. So there's, we did have some other uh, research on the bellies. We just looked at the loins. Um, we still haven't found out a lot about the uh, bellies yet, but um, there's some collaborators that are working on that. But we just looked at the fresh pork loins for my portion of the study. But certainly the bellies, um, you know, that's a major part of the pork chain today and needs to be looked at. So that's, uh, again we focus just specifically on the loins in this case. That's all right. Yeah. Well, that'll, that'll give us opportunity to follow up in uh, in a future episode. I'm hoping. Yeah. So it sounds like it was an effective means of putting the animals into a holding pattern, but didn't have a huge impact on overall quality of the meat. Absolutely. Okay. Was there a big yield difference? Uh, No difference in, in yield or dressing percentage. Yep. No difference in yield or dressing percentage. And even though the finishing weights were different, so uh, there were, you know, differences, obviously, in, with the size of the pigs, differences in their loin eye and the back fat depth they had, so. Okay. Um, well, that's, that, this is all fascinating, and like I said, we, it, it leads to some additional conversation in the future, which once we find out who those collaborator, collaborators might be, we want to uh, maybe see how that does affect the belly. It is, it is a significant value portion of the of the pig carcass. Um, but, uh, let's hear a little bit about you. We always like to ask our guests, uh, how'd you get to where you are? How'd you get involved in the meat sciences, Jay? Well, I grew up, uh, in a cattle family actually, um, with uh, cattle feeding and then cow calf, uh, operation as well. And, uh, I knew I wanted to do something in the meat and livestock industry as in the general rule. And I have an uncle who at one time suggested that I look into doing something in meat science. Uh, I had a great professor uh, in an undergrad, Stephen Lonergan, who's now my major professor, who uh, came to me and said he liked the way I thought and how I always asked a lot of interesting questions in class. And I liked the fresh meat side of it. I had an internship, several internships, actually. Uh, one at a large commercial feedlot in Nebraska, another with the certified Piedmontese beef. And then I also uh, did some research, uh, summer internship with uh, Dr. Stephen Shackelford at Clay Center, Nebraska at U.S. Mark. So there's uh, been a little bit of a journey to get here, but uh, I've, I've enjoyed the journey. Jay, you're not old enough to have accomplished all of that stuff. That is so cool to hear. Um, and, I, and I say that in jest, of course. But, uh, um, yeah, you've definitely dove 
head first into the meat sciences and uh, it'll be fun to see where this takes you. What are your plans for the future? So uh, once I finish my master's, I intend to uh, get a job in the industry, in the livestock industry, meat industry, uh, probably actually in the either beef or swine, uh, doing some kind of work that ties both the live and meat side of the industry together. So improving producers bottom line and ultimately consumer satisfaction with eating uh, the great protein we produce yeah well i mean that's that is definitely a noble goal it's something that i am often working on is uh, just trying to make that connection back to the producer that what they're making is meat it's not it's not a a uh, finished pig or a weaned steer it is a it's meat ultimately and so um, if we can make that connection especially someone someone like you helping make that connection in the industry um, the future looks bright so thank you yeah it's certainly we we intend to eat all of the ones we produce and whether it be pigs cattle chickens uh, there's a turkeys there's certainly uh, a need for the bridge between the producer and what they produce that goes on to feed the world. Absolutely. Well, and your research has demonstrated that um, in case we do need to put these animals into a holding pattern, these pigs into a holding pattern, um, that uh, this it's not going to necessarily affect the overall quality um, or the yield percentage on those on those pigs. And so um, uh, thanks. Thank you so much for doing this research. Well, thank you for having me on today and uh, joining us here at RMC. So. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Jay.